Welcome to Postscript, Tom Jones. I'm Fred Vigen, along with Matt Wilson. Hey, Matt. Hi, Fred. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Perfect. If you're looking for a conversation about Marie Antoinette, you came to the wrong place. It is in this <laughs> podcast feed, but either go forward or backward in your podcast feed, and you'll you'll hear the lovely Beth and Christina talking about Marie Antoinette. We are here to talk about episode number two of Tom Jones. As we've discovered, the episodes don't have names. They don't. That's fine. Episode two. Episode two. Uh, so, uh, spoiler warning, if you're watching this, we do assume you've watched the episode of Tom Jones. So if you have not done that, hit stop, go watch it, and come back. Second spoiler warning, uh, put your kids to bed before you watch this one. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. Uh, PBS, how about it? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's thoughtful, tasteful. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not... It's not um, Anyway. Uh, it's it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, episode two. Episode two. Where so. to start? What a well, mess. let's start with the end. We end up in okay. London. We do. They um, end up in London. So it seems like a pivotal scene change in this story. You know, episode one, we spent the whole time in the beautiful countryside. And the one thing that jumped out to me um, in the scenes at the end uh, is that London, it was kind of portrayed as this kind of like dark, kind of dismal place. Um, and this is what? We're, we're in the late 18th century, right? Correct, right. Uh, but but uh, the countryside was, you know, bright. You heard birds chirping. You know, the trees were rustling. And it was just, you know, very, very upbeat and bright. But then, yeah, then you're in London and you're in the big city. And it's just like, wow. Yeah, I think that's uh... – consciously probably decided on two fronts. One is um, to show that they are in a different place now. They're mm. not out in the safety, comfort of the fancy manors and, and Paradise Hall or whatever. They are in a different place that is a little bit scary, uh, especially to Sophia, I think. Mm. Uh, and secondly, it, it's probably true of what life in London looked like back then. True. Uh, and maybe even today, you go to any major city, you're going to find areas that are nice and bright and clean and areas that are much more real. So, yeah, it, it, it felt right. It did. Okay. Yeah. Their dresses were muddier, like, little right. subtle things that definitely look like they've uh, been altered by the, by the travel, by the process to some degree. But they are definitely not in Kansas anymore. That's right. So why are we in London? How did we get there? Well, the whole episode was, was, uh, was about that trip to London or what prompted it. So, well, I'll, briefly, I mean, we don't need to talk about this for too long, but the, you know, we start the episode with this just awkward moment between Bliffle and Sophie. Uh, Sophia, um, you know, obviously Sophia is not interested. Right. No, I'm glad you mentioned this because I was going to do a call out. Uh, we beat mercilessly on Bliffle, and we should. Right. Yes. He was he was a real pain in the neck in episode one. The actor, though, James Wilbraham, fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> fantastic performance in that section. Oh yeah, just yeah. his physical discomfort, his awkwardness. You know, there were very few words said for the first minute or so, but you could feel every tension. moment of him trying to figure out. Yeah, the tension, the the clumsiness, her discomfort. I just thought the that that moment between the two of them actually made me laugh really hard. It was it was well it was well done. It, it felt, you know, it felt right. <laughs> yeah, it felt right. Well, it confirmed to me that that. He was almost doing this just to spite Tom. It wasn't at all because he was like, oh, well, she's a beautiful woman and smart and intelligent right. and, and, uh, and, you know, 
you know, I'm rich, she's rich, let's be rich together. Um, it was just a, like, hey, I know you're really interested in him, and I'm going to, or or her rather, right. and I'm gonna I'm gonna spite you. Yeah. I think she actually uh, analyzed him fairly well. At one point, she says, "I don't even think he loves me. Mm-hmm. He just hates Tom Jones." Exactly. Well, then that that was what stuck out to me. Yeah. As Bliffle's prime motivation, I think, so far is anything that will allow me to beat on Tom Jones, I I will do. So, and then, um, you know, Tom, you know, decide, you know, not this, well. He's asked to leave. Yeah. Um, you know the, the you know the. the <laughs> uh, Squire Westerns really ticked off uh, finally by, yeah, uh, seeing the line. Tom, well, of course, he was kind of, kind of clueless that there was a blossoming relationship uh, prior, and uh, and goes and screams and yells at uh, Allworthy about it, and yeah. Allworthy's like, you know, and it, it, I was surprised by this because up until now, although he would tell Tom how disappointed he was, I can't believe you did this, mm-hmm. but in the end, he's like, you are still my 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 son, or I, I treat you as my son. Uh, but th- this was the final straw. Yeah, I, may- maybe it just was. Maybe it's that simple that that the you know the physical connection was enough for him to realize how bad this was. The two squires are interesting through here. It, it's a mix of just how clueless, like you said, Squire Western is, but how helpless Allworthy feels. Hmm. Um, I don't know if he's capitulating or kind of letting Bliffle and Western decide. You know how this is going to work. He kind of lost his will to put up a fight for Sophia. We saw a little bit of that toward the end of episode one. Yeah, um, but yeah, Tom definitely just crossed the line, um, and I think you know, Allworthy just did the math of. I hate this, but how much are you worth to me versus the damage you're causing, and decided it would be easier or better just to, to kick him loose. What do you make of of uh, his sister though? Like that was one thing I noticed it a little bit in the first episode, but it really. Um, jumped out to me early on in this episode where um um Allworthy's sister is that Bridget uh, I believe you know that she yes. uh yes. You know, she really has compassion for Tom really loves you know yeah. because you know there's a lot of talk about how he doesn't have a father but um you know he di- he didn't have a mother raising him either and 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 she kind of filled that role I presume and uh but you know despite her son being the jerk that he is, uh, she she still would. Be, she really, I feel like, felt strongly for him. And actually, I don't know if it was a look of disgust, but you could definitely see maybe something in her head. You know, a little bit of a conflict in her head when when Allworthy was like, "I'm sorry, you gotta leave." Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I can't. I actually can't believe you're actually taking this this, yeah, this effort. Definitely conflicted. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen different angles of her. I, I will again mention at the end of episode one where she tries to go to bat for Sophia and talks about the modern age and how it's more, more and more common yeah. for the kids uh, to make their own choices. There's also a moment in episode one where she's talking to Bliffle, um, trying to talk him down a bit. And it's a weird kind of pep talk, but it's about Tom. She's saying he basically has nothing, no, no money, no title. You know, What have you to envy of Tom? Like she's... I think she's playing Bliffle a little bit, but definitely it is probably the best argument to try to make to an egotistical type person mm. of like, why are you upset about this? You you have everything that he doesn't, but you're still mad at him. And I think the answer was that Bliffle knew that he didn't deserve those things. He wasn't earning them by any means. Um, but anyway, um, in episode two here, yeah, definitely conflicted about it. Um, 
has a moment where she does try to reinforce the line, though. She says, our lives go wrong when we put our own selfish desires in front of everything. And that was straight to Tom right before he was finally banished. Um, so I think she, she she gets it. You know, Obviously, she didn't put up a strong fight to Allworthy, but yeah, she's not happy about any of it. Right. I think that, that feels reasonable, yeah. Um, even Allworthy feels... You know his his honorable need to um, send Tom away was something. Yeah. Uh, so that stack of money he left and it looked like a lot of money. I have no idea how many pounds that was or whatever. But it didn't last long. Uh, no, well, no, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but you know, it, Tom even having that. Yeah, I don't want your money. That response of you, you know, I, that is not what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, made a wise choice to at least take it, uh, not to further insult his father, but also some practical, I may need this, knowing where I'm probably headed. So, Not to go through all the whole episode step by step, but, you know, so, I mean, you know, Sophie, uh, Sophia, I keep saying Sophie, Sophia, so, um, independently so, also, you know, is like, I'm out of here. This is, I've had enough of this right. baloney. So it, um, just on the name alone, this is funny because some call her Sophia. Sophia, that's what I was uh, Usually the, yep. uh, the Western side. Uh, I've heard in the episodes some call her Sophia, and at times it is Sophie also. So mm-hmm. I don't think you're wrong. Okay. I don't know what right is. <laughs> uh, actress name also Sophia, or Sophie. Um, oh, so okay. it gets, it's one of those kind of... But yeah. Um, yeah, she bolts. <laughs> um, my my sense of Sophie in this episode is she feels really diminished from episode one. People are locking her in rooms mm-hmm. you know, against her will. Um, she does take charge and sneak out overnight, you know, convinces Honor to go with her. Um, but kind of takes back seat to Honor as they travel. And I think that might be some wisdom. Honor feels much more comfortable and strong yeah. in some of these environments. Maybe to protect her a little I, bit? I think so. Yeah. And that would be her role yeah. if, if she's kind of the handmaiden or the, I don't want to say servant, but the, um, the it, we'll go with handmaiden, I guess. Um, to Sophia, then yeah, her role is there as a, a kind of a guide and protector at times, um, but seems much more comfortable in some of the rowdier areas. And Upton, which is the town they stop in between the tavern and London, and also when they get to London, Honor becomes the problem solver at times. Uh, so it's good to have each other, I think. So where to next? Where do you want to? Who do you want to talk about, or where do you want to go? So I want to pick on Black George a little bit. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I mean, he plays. He kind of plays a, a short role in this episode. He does. But... There's two things about him. One is he's the only one that knows that everybody's going to London because he hears it from both parties. So True. he may have a, a future here for us. We'll see. But two, he keeps Tom's money. Yeah, so much for being what a nice heck? friend. I know. Like, well. <laughs> And he has a, a Tom went to bat for him, which really caused some of this uh, ch- these challenges in the first. That's episode. what bothers me. Yeah, I I don't know. Except I mean, the situation with his daughter. I don't know of anything <laughs> yeah. where Tom was outwardly and you know antagonistic to Black George. Uh, it just seemed a weird turn. Um, I don't get it. He sees the money fall, doesn't say anything, pockets it, yeah. and then lets him go. Yeah. And doesn't say, oh, wait, you, you dropped this. Yeah, and you kind of see him processing. He kind of glances at Tom, kind of edges over to, you know, he's, he has <laughs> moments where he could change his mind, but ultimately he... Maybe it's his, you know, I'm getting back at you for... Could be. Could be that simple. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Or he looks at Tom's like, well, you're good looking. You'll figure something out. <laughs> yeah, it just struck me as, as weird. Um, but hey, people are people. I, you know... 
Well, it shows some of the flaws in these characters. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, let's talk Partridge a little bit. So mm. Benjamin Partridge. This is the gentleman that uh, fixes Tom up at the tavern after he loses the bar brawl. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we learn a little bit more about him. He was uh, a school teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, of one Jenny Jones, who, of course, we recognize as Tom's mother. Yeah. Now, Partridge vehemently denies being Tom's father, mm-hmm. although the accusation of that was what caused him to lose, in essence, everything. His job, his family, uh, his, the wealth he had built up. And we can talk about teachers a little bit. Certainly, nowadays, they get a little bit of a, a, a rap, unfortunately, um, but in this era, to be a school teacher, you'd have to be highly educated. Um, and then your core audience, so to speak, would be other wealthy families that want their children also to be highly educated. So mm. Partridge probably had a decent life okay. before it all fell apart. Um, and when he meets Tom, it doesn't seem like there's any anger there. There's, and, and I don't even read it as like remorse either. It's just self-pity. He actually says something like that, woe is me, I'm not what I was. So it's just recognizing I've lost things that I want back. But my question for you is, he's denied being Tom's father. Yeah. Do we believe him? I don't believe him right now. Um, If if he were to show up again, he seems to disappear. He he follows Tom partly on the way, from what I can tell, to London. Yeah, Yeah, but... Right, to Upton, but then... um, I don't think we see him in London. Well, they were walking in a field, and you see London off in the mm-hmm. distance, and then and then from there we only see Tom right. uh, toward the end of the episode. So I'm not, sh- you know, so I I don't know if we see him again, obviously, right. and maybe we'll find out. But, um, um, but yeah, I, right now I I don't know. To try, I mean, I've learned to not trust anyone in this right. show so far. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know either. Um, it seems um, he's consistent. Again, his his demeanor is not remorse or or sadness of his own actions. It's just sadness of what happened. So um, he's tough to read in that regard. He vouches for Tom often. He seems to like Tom. There's a couple moments where he, um, whether it serves himself or not, but but you know proclaims his, um, I guess noble nature, gentleman uh, nature, uh, earned or not, but by birth into the family. So. It seems like a good sidekick, maybe mm-hmm. his version of honor for a while, but we'll have to see where this goes. But yeah, interesting character. Um, I'm not sure I believe him either, but we'll we'll have to see how it plans out. Um, so I guess we should also talk about uh, <laughs> Sergeant Major Patrick Fitzpatrick retired. That's quite a title, and he is quite a character. He shows up numerous times in this episode. Yeah. Uh, I don't get him either, <laughs> especially... Um, so pr- producer Allie's here in the background. We may need to uh, put up the uh, Glenn Beck-style whiteboard to trace through some of these connections and stuff because Fitzpatrick shows up at the inn. Yep. Um, I would call it an inn. Probably a tavern or pub would be better, right. randomly. And Tom in- initially is friendly with him. Right. You know, they start drinking together. Right. Uh, Fitzpatrick claims to know and have known Sophia, which causes the bar brawl. Yeah. Um, Tom then later encounters Fitzpatrick on the road yeah, with another with, woman. With a damsel in distress. Yes, uh, yes damsel <laughs> in distress. Uh, and then later, of course, the kicker is when oh we, we learn that Fitzpatrick is also the husband of one of Sophia's aunts in London. What a tangled web. I mean, 
I, I recognize this is all you know fictional anyway, but it's like what a small world this would have to be yeah. for all this to actually happen. Yeah, I think that's part of the farce of this show, which makes it kind of fun. Is you keep seeing characters reappear in different ways, and you're trying to piece together what are the connections here, what is going on. Um, I don't get Fitzpatrick at all. <laughs> um, uh, I think he likes to drink, and he likes that. to just cause trouble. Maybe it's um, that simple. And perhaps yeah. he is a retired. Sergeant, whatever, uh, but uh, it, but he, he seems to uh, be at a you know in the upper class you know, nobility. Um, so he has the the has access to stumble around and and cause trouble and and get away with it. Yeah. It seems like so far. Yeah, definitely. Maybe uh, that survival instinct is what's kept him alive that long. <laughs> yes. um, although it doesn't seem like a, a happy marriage, as we learned from. Uh, Aunt Harriet in London, who warned Sophia, uh, don't end up like me, like don't mm-hmm. trust in in love or a happy marriage. Uh, so they don't seem to quite have it all together either, but maybe that's true of everybody we'll meet in this in this story. A um, couple other folks we can talk about. So in Upton, um, we see an interesting dynamic with the innkeeper, Mrs. Flowers, yeah. and her employee, Susan. Is uh, that her daughter? I just assumed it was. That's interesting. Oh, I okay. I don't know. I, I did not assume that, but maybe I missed something. Could be daughter, could be whatever. Yeah. But um in here I think we see, you know, some of the darker aspects of, of life in, in mid seventeenth or mid eighteenth century London. Definitely a bit of a discriminatory, perhaps racist streak in young Susan, unfortunately. Yeah. Um it's good to see other people beat that down. You know, Mrs. Flowers, whether it was her business sense or not, definitely talks her out of that whenever possible. Mm-hmm. Partridge vouches for everybody. Uh, but it is a dose of cold water, you know, of just what life was like. And, and um, hopefully it's different now, but I, I don't know how far we've come as a society, but it feels like we're hopefully going in the right direction. Um, I don't know what to make of that. I don't. I doubt we'll see Susan again. I think it's just there as, as a reminder to us of what the two traveling young women are dealing with. Yeah. Right. Just to couch us back in their experience. Yeah. You really don't know what you're going to run into. Right. Which is, uh, uh, you know, kind of in parallel what you would say to Tom. You don't know what you run into. And and that's where we meet um, the in, in, in Tom's second encounter with um, uh, Patrick Fitzpatrick. Um, I didn't catch her name. I, I have it as Mrs. Waters. Mrs. Waters. Yes. So uh, she's a complicated uh, uh, individual as well. I and and this in the whole connection with Tom, you know interaction with Tom, you know he he fights off um, uh, Fitzpatrick. They wander off to to the um, the in in, in uh, what is it the bird in hand in Upton, and and then stay the night uh, together. Um, and that brought back a, a quote that that uh, Biffle. Uh, so I'm going to pile on Biffle again sure. on this, where he he says to Tom Jones when they are like face to face each other, he says, "Your birth condemns you," and you know, has that like raspy voice when he says it, just to be like, "Yeah, let me just yep. stab you again with this." And you know, I'm channeling like my tenth grade English teacher when we were going over. I don't know. Um, Macbeth or whatever, and you know she right. would always reenact these really powerful moments, and that seemed now seeing the second episode that actually comes back in my mind as a as a powerful moment. And Biffle, you know, his reasoning obviously is not you know I'm rich, you're not, I can flaunt this, yeah. but to me, 
I, I feel it's more of the the, the 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 defect in Tom's character that he is he was brought up to be just such a kind, somewhat naive character. Yeah. You know, he he falls for Molly. Uh, you know, in episode one, you know, gets tangled up there. Then and then you know, toward the end of that episode, untangles. Then again, he sees someone. Uh, he sees this uh, woman. Um, in distress, wants to help her, you know, is able to kind of, you know, send uh, Fitzpatrick on his way. And, and then she starts flirting with him. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure he, you know, he's trying to get over Sophia anyway, but, you know, kind of gets tangled probably in more than maybe he initially wanted uh, with, with this woman. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if he knew what he was getting into. Um, I, I don't even like, I hesitate to insult a fictional character. I, we're led to imply, based on uh, Mrs. Waters' reaction to her, that she, uh, that she might be like a prostitute or something. But there's no a, a proposition of money or anything. No. It, it, maybe she's just an active woman, and, and they recognize that maybe they knew her or something. I, it's, it's hard to say, but... Well, the innkeeper had a negative reaction Correct. To her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wanted to kick her out immediately, yeah. so either knew her or knew of her. Right. But again, Tom kind of came to her defense not fully understanding everything, and then Partridge <laughs> came to Tom's defense, so they ended up staying, of course. But, um, but it seems like her purpose is to try to, from a narrative sense, try to get Tom to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, she does seduce him, as she says. I don't have to try very hard, did I? <laughs> and then in the morning, then or later that night, just kind of whispers to him about how he will quickly forget about Sophia. You've already forgotten about her, mm. um, and maybe that feels true. Although, as we know, Sophia and Honor were literally in the next room. <laughs> um, yep. And the next morning, then people start to piece it all together, and this is where Partridge connects with Sophia and Honor, and then our friend Susan from the inn kind of dishes everything, puts the names into play, and uh, things go crazy from here. Sophia, I think, seems very disappointed and frustrated finally, decides, forget this, I'm just going to London, we'll start over. So they pack up quickly and go. Um, Tom has a a telling reaction, um, defends himself and his actions by saying, I had just assumed... It was done. Right. I, I thought she'd done with me. I thought it was, I was done with mm-hmm. her. There was no future there. So in that moment of weakness or whatever, he, he went a different path. But seeing that ray of hope again quickly, I think, turns, probably recommits in his mind and heart back to Sophia, then heads off after her, which is a sign of his intentions. So. Although it remains to be seen if she's going to get over that. Right. This might be... The straw that, yeah, uh, in London now with other opportunities. Um, and then there's one character I guess this leads into that we haven't really talked about yet, and that is Lady Bellaston, who we finally meet. I know. What a buildup. <laughs> yes. Um, she shows up right at the end uh, of the episode, and it's this dramatic moment in the episode, yes. and then cut the black. Yes. Time for the credits. Yeah. So uh, a highly casted character. You might recognize the actress from um, – oh, Ted Lasso. Thank you. Ted Lasso, of course. <laughs> Um, you don't waste someone like that on a small character. So we're really curious to see what happens in episode three with her. Um, my read is that her, her also happens to be an aunt of Sophia, which is uh, not exactly a coincidence. That's the reason why they're together. But my read on her is, um, I, I think spelled out in the last few minutes of the episode, she wants to dabble 
uh, or dangle other potential suitors in mm-hmm. front of Sophia to get her off of potentially Tom. And then the very last moment, she takes a very sort of uh, evaluative or, or appraising look at Tom. And it's hard to read both of their faces, but she definitely feels like the hunter in that scenario. And he might find himself as prey, so to speak, at least my my quick read on that. But. Yeah, they tighten up on her and you see these... Uh Humorous, in my mind, uh, facial expressions yes. that she offers. Uh, you know, whoever was walking her in, kind of, she gives, gives this like, "Get out of my way!" Right. You know, right. Uh, look, which is kind of funny. And yeah. then, uh, and then, yeah, she like, you know, she nods to her sister, and then looks over to Tom, and like, hmm, yep. And then it's a, a toe to head kind of scan. <laughs> She's taking it all in. This could be interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if because she knows the connection to Sophia, so she sees this as a as a challenge, like maybe I can win you away from her or maybe it's just somebody new in town. Who knows? But um, there's great voiceover again toward the end here. This is, again, Sophia's voice. But uh, if I'd known Tom was already in London, if I'd known he was looking for me, would I have fallen into his arms? No, actually, I would not. Mm. I meant to flee from trouble, not run straight into it. But we are in London now and soon to learn that nobody can be trusted, not even aunts. In mm. London, where a woman could lose her freedom and a man could lose his soul. So a bit of foreshadowing there. I think things are going to continue to be interesting. So, so, You know, I really liked the first episode, but this – I mean this episode two really tops it. Yeah, um, yeah it's I getting thought- – it's getting interesting now. Well, it was always interesting. It's getting crazy, let's say. Yeah, just the tangled web that all these characters are in. What one other observation I have is is you know, uh Squire Western like goes to his front door and sh- shouts Sophia and that was it. Like he's not sending the dogs out looking for her, uh, you know, wonder, or, you know the like, dogs show up. up. Yeah, yeah, getting on his horse. I mean, right. he's not sending out a search team. Not that we know. Well, he really gets over that pretty yeah, quickly well, then. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see we'll what see. happens. So, so I'd like to do something. I'd like to uh, introduce a recurring segment to our, our short run podcast. It's always Can't great wait. to introduce a new segment in mm-hmm. episode two, but that's fine. <laughs> We're going to call this Scoundrel of the Week. So mm-hmm. we have to sort of debate or propose who we think the worst person in the episode is. And let's, let's backtrack to episode one just to, okay. to warm up a little bit. Scoundrel of the Week for episode one. Well, I guess the easy answer would just be to say Biffle. Younger um, or older? <laughs> actually, older. older I would say Biffle. older okay. because uh, his attitude uh, you know, carries right into his son. And they barely uh, – you know, he doesn't raise him, uh, right? He, he dies uh, at, at his son's early age. But his contempt for Tom Jones – I mean he – we meet him, and he he's saying how uh, you know the, the talk across the county, right. uh, and I, I I I suggest you beat and do away with this boy, um, and 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 Squire Allworthy is like, no, I'm not going right. to do that. Uh, so so he's the scoundrel. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I'd go with that. Um, mm-hmm. You made a really interesting point. Like, Elder Bliffle dies so early in younger Bliffle's life. Like they are they're not toddlers at that point, but they aren't. Like I don't even know how much he would remember of his dad. Right. So it's sort of where did Bliffle's attitudes come from? It doesn't feel like it would have been taught by Allworthy or Aunt Bridget. Yeah, his mom didn't seem to. Yeah. Think so that. in a nature nurture kind of model, it just feels like there was something in his nature yeah. 
that that just embedded this sort of buffoonery, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd vote for either Bliffle from episode one, but I'll go with you on the elder Bliffle. I think he should have known better. Yeah, um, and you know, I mean, since he had such a brief role, uh, we'll give him a little love. Right. If that's the right word yeah. for it. <laughs> uh, so moving on to episode two, I feel like we have some options here. <laughs> we do. There are a few scoundrels. Um, mm. Bliffle again comes to mind. There's a moment where he could have let Sophia off the hook because I think Allworthy asks him, you know, do you really want? Do this? you really want to pursue this? Given yeah. that, in a way, she betrayed your honor or such. And Bliffle goes into some BS about, "Yeah, I will teach my wife the ways of you know the error of her ways or her sins or whatever." And oh dear, Squire Western's <laughs> face gets all scrunched up. Like, no, yeah, no, I don't know what. I don't think anybody knew what was going on. But, but uh, it seems like the easy answer to go with Bliffle again. Uh, we talked about Black George a little bit and his sort of backstabbing kind of thing. Yeah, uh, maybe Susan at the end. Um, Maybe uh, maybe Fitzpatrick with all of his kind of nonsense. I feel like he's the easy answer because okay. uh, he shows up three times, almost you know comedic. Like it, it was almost like, of course you're related. You know, you're married to right. one of Sophia's uh, aunts. That that makes perfect sense now. I right. mean, you know, why why would such a strong character as he just vanish? You know, like oh, this is just a, some way you know in passing we in a ca- encounter. Yeah. So. I'll give an honorable mention, I think, to Tom Jones himself, Mr. Self-Control, perhaps, in this episode. Right. Because, um, <laughs> and, and Molly told him, you know, maybe exercise a little self-control next time. Molly was great. It didn't, it didn't I, last long. I'll give the – because just try to keep it in your trousers, I think, was mm-hmm. the, the passing quote. Um, Honor describes Tom as someone who would take advantage of a hole in the carpet, which is not a great sort of compliment either. Um, but I'm with you. I think Fitzpatrick, because then every time we see him, he's causing trouble for somebody. Right. First Tom and then Mrs. Waters or Mrs. Flowers. And then finally, um, uh, Sophia's other aunt uh, in, in London, finally. So it uh, seems like a character we'll be stuck with for a little while longer. We'll see what plays out there. So, But yeah, I, I would agree on the honorable mention about Susan. Uh, you know, if she'd kept her trap shut, um, it wouldn't, you know, Sophia and Honor wouldn't know uh, about. Tom's indiscretions yeah. right next door to them. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that could have happened differently, but uh, the story is the story. I was going to say, the story would be probably a lot right. less interesting if that Correct. was the case. Yeah, so, well, I think that's it for episode two. I think we got it. Puts us, what, halfway through Tom we're, Jones? Yeah, already halfway. I feel, I, Matt, I feel like we're just getting started. Yes. Uh, it'll stay fast-paced, I suspect. We have uh, some mysteries to solve and some relationships to untangle, but... Yeah, well, I'm 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 looking forward to uh, meeting more or learning more about Lady Ballston. So, yep, same. We'll see how that plays out, um, and hopefully, you are all as well. Um, thanks for hanging out with us. Mm-hmm. Um, for more of us and other postscript episodes, you can always visit witf.org/postscript. You'll see all of it there. Um, also, anywhere you get your podcasts, so Apple, uh, Google Play, etc. While you're there, please leave a comment, leave a rating, uh, do anything you can to help boost our show. We'd highly appreciate that. If you want to chat with us, there's a couple easy ways. You can send an email to ps at witf.org or find us on any of the WITF social medias. You'll probably see some uh, notes and episode info posted there. Uh, remember, you can always watch episodes of Postscript on Mosaic. You can watch us if you, oh, for dear. whatever reason, want to. Yeah, if you want to. Buyer beware. Um, no offense, Fred. <laughs> uh, Mosaic is WITF's YouTube channel for our th- all things arts and culture. It's a lot of fun. Uh, please check that out. 
And finally, uh, if this has been fun for you, you'd like to help us make more of this and more things like this, uh, please visit witf.org slash mosaic for some information. I'd like to give a shout out to producer Allie for working her magic behind the scenes. Thanks, Allie. Thank you, Allie. You're amazing. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us. We will see you next time. See ya. Thank you.